If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another expert episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by the very talented, very funny Rory Uphold. She, among other things, is the host of the Crimes of the Heart podcast. And this was a super fun episode. To be honest, we didn't really have like a plan going into the episode and it just evolved into such a great conversation on why she started her podcast, some of her, what led her to rock bottom in her dating life that allowed her to propel herself into a position where she would never settle for less than she deserved ever again. We talk about why we tend to settle in relationships. We talk about the anxiety and the energy that we give into relationships that aren't serving us. We talk about breakups, of course. We talk a lot about shame in this podcast and how shame, when it comes to what has been done to us in previous relationships or shame of not being in a relationship. So we talk a lot about this idea of overcoming the idea of feeling shame for things. So I love talking to Rory. We tried to wrap it up at one point, but got on to another tangent. So we could have talked for easily hours and it was such a fun combo. So I know you guys will love it. And here's Rory. Welcome Rory to the podcast. Very excited to talk to you today and see where this conversation goes. I too am excited to see where this conversation goes. <laughs> it could truly end up anywhere. I know, but those are the best ones where I like don't exciting. look at my questions. So I would love if you could start off by talking about how you started your podcast. I've like just from listening to some of your other stuff, I've heard some of the stories that led to it, but I would love if you could share it here, like what made you start it? Because it gives true crime, which I, I'm obsessed with, as many people are. So yeah, I would just love if you could give some background. Yeah, I I guess there's a couple of reasons. One, I've always been really fascinated by relationships, like romantic and otherwise. I do think we like weirdly separate the two in a way that I don't know makes a ton of sense, but that's okay. Yeah. We can get into that later. <laughs> but I've always been like super fascinated by relationships. I, for the longest time, I don't know why, but like I never saw myself settling down when I was younger. 
which does play into my first heartbreak, but I always took the ticket and rode the ride. So I have like insane stories. I would just be like, yes, and why not? And okay, like, I'm just going to ride this out, which is very fun until it's not. But it, and then along the way, like I got hurt and I, you know, one thing that I think is very odd is that you have to take a test to learn how to drive. You can't just become a doctor. Like these things that are very important, often we have teaching around, but like nobody teaches you how to love. Nobody teaches you how to heal. Nobody teaches you how to recover. Nobody teaches you about personal relationships. I mean, I guess we model it from our our parents, but that's I was never the best. <laughs> yeah, that's that that is real <laughs> hit or miss with a lot yeah. of people. And so I found myself in situations where I was like hurt and I didn't properly heal. And I brought that into other relationships and it kind of just got worse and worse and worse. And then I went through a string of really traumatic breakups. I mean, I, I was cheated on a couple of times. I dated a guy who ended up getting me too'd. That was traumatic. I got ghosted by the guy who got me pregnant. Like I've had some pretty hardcore L's and through that, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about like bouncing back better. I learned a lot about self-love and I wanted to share that. And I also feel like, man, I've been talking for a long time. Sorry. (laughs) Hasn't been that long. One of the things that I've noticed is that I don't mind sharing, but a lot of people do. And so a lot of people feel alone in the horrors of their romantic journey. And I don't love that. And I don't think that helps any of us. I think it breeds shame, you know, like when you get ghosted or when you get cheated on or when something really tragic happens, you know, like I've had women come on the show and be like, yeah, I showed up to a date and he like said I was fat. You know, we all have a story like that. You know, that might not be something that you want to share with your friends because it's so embarrassing, but then you're forced to live with that shame by yourself. And I just don't think humans are built that way. No. Like right when I saw your podcast, I was like, oh, this is just such a good antidote to that shameful feeling. It's like the reason why like so many people don't report being scammed to authorities because they're just so embarrassed by it. And they're either like, I don't know how I could fall for this. But the fact that like I think about my really bad relationship where he scammed me out of like thousands of dollars and just all this stuff. I did not talk about it for years because I felt so stupid. Of course you didn't. So embarrassed. And so then I'm being punished for his actions because I'm not talking about it. So I was just thinking like, exactly. Punished twice. Totally. Yeah. I also like, I've said this before. It's like, I don't understand how if you and I were sitting across from each other and I haul off and punch you in the face, right? There's recourse for that. I'm probably getting arrested. I mean, like, I don't know, but there's something. But if I break your heart, I'm just supposed to deal with it. Yeah. Like if you lie to me, cheat on me, string me along for years, that's just my cross to bear. And so I think that was kind of like where this idea of taking like horrific dating stories and comparing it to true crime and doing those like reenactments and talking about it came from. And then obviously that is expanded into like, I also have, you know, one-off conversations with experts or people that have different perspectives because I'm of the mind that if there was a dating book that could help you fall in love, we would all own it and none of us would be single. 
Yeah. That unfortunately, this is not a one size fits all journey. And so like, I don't love when people are like, I'm a dating expert. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? I was like, I'm a dating expert. I've probably been on 10,000 of them. <laughs> like I have far more experience, I think, than most of you. I very purposely like don't bring on dating experts to this show just because I'm like, yeah. I don't believe that there's anyone that can answer those questions, all those questions for everyone. Exactly. So I think it's cool to get a myriad of perspectives to talk to people who are straight, to talk to people who are gay, to talk to people who are polyamorous, who are, you know, hetero and monogamous and just... We can take something from everyone. And that's, I think, the the most important. So it's a very, very long way of answering your question about why I started the show. But I think it dovetails into also why you have your show. Totally. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think like you help people in a very, well, this is my assumption and my perspective on you, but it seems like you help people in a really vulnerable time. And like you, we both care about the same things, which is like wanting to see people win and wanting them to beat kind of the standard that has been unfairly set for people. Yeah. And it started out too as like, I, same thing as you, I really don't mind sharing my stuff. There's one in every friend group. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm happy to share about all the bad breakups and relationships. I've been sober for 11 years. I like shared about all of my stuff that led me to getting sober, which is, you know, not stuff I'm proud of. But yeah, generally, generally that path is also riddled with shame. So, totally. yeah. so it's like, you know, I learned how much power came from being able to share something. I use the story. I was, have been part of like 12 step meetings for a really long time. And I remember the first time I shared quite literally my most shameful story, which is I crashed my car into the Long Beach airport when I was drunk. And sorry, I want to laugh at that. I know it's not appropriate. <laughs> no, but no, you can. But the whole room, <laughs> of all laughed. the places, you were no, like, I'm going to go know. for the airport. Yeah. The whole room laughed. And I remember being like, oh my God. Oh. Okay. Like, okay, I, I'm okay. I can survive this. Like, people obviously it's not funny to be drinking and driving but just like the craziness of the story mm-hmm. being able to share that out loud like took off like 50 pounds of shame that i had been carrying around for like 6 years yeah and i think that's my when i like distill it down that's the thing that i'm fighting against whether it's like the shame against stis the shame against being single the shame against having marital struggles like whatever it is the shame of being cheated on it just does not help anyone, period. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. And I like love this idea of, I think that relationships are such a mirror to us if you let it. <laughs> yes. You know, if you I mean, it depends, it depends on how you're, you know, there's a lot of people that I think are like, mm, it hasn't clicked yet and they're dating for either validation or they're just trying to find the person that likes them. As opposed to like looking at all of this as like, this is a journey. This is an opportunity. It's whatever you allow it to be. And if you think singledom is like a curse until you get into a relationship or get married, but some people feel that way. I joke that my type used to be like people that liked me. Mm. Uh, that was my type. And that does not, I mean, I, you know, if you make getting into a relationship your highest priority over all things, like you're going to breeze past quite a few 
things that you should be paying attention to. Also, one thing I wanted to share, and I was going to do it earlier, but we have something in common that our moms had us in their 40s. Oh, sick. Yeah. So my mom was 42 when she had me. Okay. Yeah. And so it was the same thing as me. As like, I never felt like I had to be in a rush to do things just because I'm like, dude, she had such a great life and like did so many cool things before having me and her and my dad are still together and they were great parents. And like, I now that's becoming more normal, but I feel like it was kind of rare. I don't know. I always felt like I had older parents. Oh, super rare. Up. My mom yeah. looks really young. Like yeah. nobody, my mom looks like 20 years younger than she is, but so nobody ever really knew that my mom was older. And like, I didn't even really know that my mom was older until I was old enough to process it. Yeah. But I feel the same way. Like I never felt a rush. And I also, I knew that my mom, I mean, my from a very early age, my mom always told me like, I'm so grateful to be your mom. This is like, I don't feel like I've ever sacrificed anything. I want to be at every soccer game. I want to be creating the art program at your school. She's like, I've done it all. I've lived every adventure. I got it out of my system. And before she met my dad, she was actually going through a divorce with her first husband who she did not have kids with. And she talks as if my mom's ever done a podcast. She can barely use an iPhone, which is not an age thing. That's a, that's a, that's <laughs> it's a, a hurt thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Told me she was like, yeah, I was walking down the aisle and I knew I was making a mistake. And mm-hmm. I've talked to friends of mine who have been married and they've said the same thing, like in their gut, they knew. Anyway, she marries this guy. They're married for a minute. They end up getting divorced and my mom's in the process. And a mutual friend told my dad, hey, Judy's single. She's coming into town. You should ask her out. My dad asks her out. And two months later, he proposes and they get married. And my mom was like, I was, I remember I was on the beach in Tahoe, which is where she lived. And she was like, I was with my girlfriends. And I was, I think she was 39 or 39 and a half at the time lamenting the fact that she was just like never going to have kids and that it just wasn't in the cards for her and that it wasn't I mean I I think it was like her mourning process right and then less than a year later she was pregnant because I think she had me at 40 or 41 but whatever the, the timeline is very quick yeah and I think it just goes to show that you're only one yes away from and I don't mean that like being chosen. I meant I mean that in any job. Like you're one yes or one change away from the life that you want at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's with sobriety, whether that's with your career and your job, whether that's with your love life, whether that's with whatever it is. You are one moment and you never know when that moment is coming away from everything changing. Yeah, and it's so easy to feel like I tell this to people all the time but like It's so easy to picture your life as it currently is, especially if we're thinking going through a breakup, like I'm going to feel like this forever. Mm. I'm never going to find anyone. And it's because you're just looking at your life like as it is right at this second. Like, yeah, you're probably haven't in your relationship been scouting out the other people that you can see that you could potentially date someday because that hasn't been the mindset that you're in. But once you can get out of that, like you will see you can like expand your perspective and see that like life is still very much going on. And again, like. I've had friends that have met partners on air, like on an airplane or like at a music festival. Like it doesn't. Oh my god, that's how one of my boyfriends cheated on me. He sat next to my friend Alana. She's now my friend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would be really weird. I'm very understanding. I'm not that understanding. Yeah, he sat down next to her on an airplane. They had a meet cute. He pursued her, 
And we overlapped for four months of the eight months that we were dating, which is wild. That wasn't your hairdresser, was it? Different one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which actually, I, like I said, there have been a few. tell that story right now? <laughs> Holy moly. I'm going to try and do it quick because it is actually not a quick story. Okay. But I was dating a guy that I met on an app. I'm no longer on apps. I just don't know that they serve us. I mean, they're not designed to, but yeah, I've tapped out. This was one of the reasons why I tapped out. There was a myriad of them, but this was one. I met this guy on an app. I think he said he was 40 something at the time, which is very funny because I now know he's been like 42 or 43 for like seven years on this app, (laughs) which I was like, so I actually genuinely don't know how old this man is, which is cool. We start dating and he tells me about his ex and it was like the only woman that he had dated that had met his kid and that she had a kid, whatever. So I knew like a little bit about this woman, but it never came up again. And we date for a while. It's pretty hot and heavy, like immediately. Nice red flag there. And then he ghosts me. He goes to Costa Rica. He ghosts me. And we end up getting back together and we end up dating. And I, in the seven years that I've been up for control, there was one time that I forgot to look at my period tracking app before I had sex. That was the one time I got pregnant. One time. Yeah. So crazy. It is crazy. And what's crazy is the amount of shame and guilt I felt about it, even though I am pro-choice, even though I literally caught it so early that I had to actually wait before I could do anything. I don't have any guilt about that decision. I know that that will really immediately turn certain people off from me and that's okay. I constantly fight for the right for women to do what is right for them. And I'm so glad I didn't have a child with this man because I'm about to tell you part two. Yeah. He just never contacts me. And I try to reach out and I just like literally never hear from him until maybe six or seven months later, he calls me on Easter and I'm like, that's crazy. Jesus and my ex both coming back from the dead. That's wild. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) And I go to call him back and he texts, he doesn't answer. And then he texts me and he's like, oh, B had my phone. Like his, his son had my phone and like, sorry, it could have been worse. And I was like, you have no idea. And I was like trying to start the conversation to be like, Hey, and I have to tell you something. He immediately shuts it down. Like doesn't respond. Okay. Another six months goes by. So it's been almost a, no, it's been a year since I got ghosted by him. And I go to get my hair done by a new hairstylist and my podcast has just started and we're talking about dating. She's like, why don't I tell you all of my crazy dating stories? And then if you want to use any of them, you can. I'm like, okay, great. So she starts telling me about this guy who like ruined her mental health. And as she's talking, I'm like, hmm, sounds hmm. like I'm going to call him Kyle. His name is not Kyle. I'm just going to call him Kyle. Sounds like <laughs> Kyle, but like, I don't really say anything. And we keep going. And then she says something that is like, yeah, he was fucking with me so hard. Like, just I don't want to divulge her story too much, but he was really, really, really terrible to her. And he made her feel so bad about herself that she ended up getting into therapy. And she got into therapy to work on issues of self-worth, but also jealousy of the other woman all of these things. And that journey brought her to where she was when we met. And then now she's in like the best relationship ever, which is amazing. 
And we talked about it and she was like, yeah, it's just hard because he was my type. Like he's like got a sleeve of tattoos and was kind of this X, Y, and Z, but also on paper, you know, he had a home, he had a kid, he had a very like specific job that I'm not going to mention on this podcast because now I know LA is really small. And I was like, oh my God, his name's not Kyle, is it? And when I tell you, the hair salon went dead silent. I watched Next Snap from across the room and she was like, she like came back from the foils and was like, what did you just say? And I was like, ha Oh God. And I already knew what was happening. And I was like, oh my God, I guessed it. I was like, his name's not Kyle, is it? And she was like, I called him hot dad. I was like, oh yeah, that's how he saved in my phone. I was like, remember the guy that goes to me? She's like, yeah. I was like, that's hot dad. And the hairstylist from across the salon yells, oh my God, is she Levi's? And my hairdresser goes, hey, did you like have a pizza night with him? Did you ever do like a pizza night date? And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we did. And they lost it. So what it ended up happening was when we were dating, he was also like fucking around with her, but was treating her poorly. And it was this like push and pull that made her feel bad about herself. And then one night she, I think was like, what are you up to? And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing a pizza night with my kid and sent a photo, but it was a live photo. This ding dong sent a live photo. And when she pressed it, she saw me walk through the frame, but she could only see the back of my head. It was my back. So she could see like blonde hair and Levi's. And I mean, I only wear black. So it was probably like a black top or something like that. And that was the moment that sent her spiraling that sent her into therapy. Cause she was like, wow, this girl must be so much chiller than I am, which was like a thing that he had like drilled into her head. Yeah. that she was like too much, too needy, too dramatic, too, too, yeah. too, 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 too. It's like, okay, then go find less bitch. Yeah. And that she must be thinner, that she must be prettier, that she must be insert everything, right? That she just must be better than me. And so I thought it was like this really amazing fate moment because for me, that Kyle was my rock bottom. Kyle was like the level set moment that really changed my life and made me realize I will never, ever, ever again. And I have held firm to this, settle for less than what I am worth. I will never... I'll just never take the ticket and ride the ride. I don't care how crazy the story is or anything. Like I'm absolutely done selling myself short. So I met her at this really opportune time where she had already been in therapy for, I think four or five months. And she got to meet that other woman face to face. And she got to hear that it wasn't about her at all. And that I wasn't necessarily dealing with the same things, but ultimately I did. And it felt really great for me to know, oh, like when he ghosted me, it was because she had come back into town from vacation and he was like trying to pursue her. Like I was able to fill in some of the gaps and so was she. And to me, that lesson is like really more about the universe wanted us to meet and not necessarily, I mean, she does great hair, but like wanted us to meet, I think for like a cathartic moment and to show us like it was never about us it was about him and he's still out there probably traumatizing women I mean I I've never commented on are we dating the same guy but she found his profile and man he is popular on that site yeah 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 so 
that's the story of my hairdresser and I, and you know, there's like way more details and I think more shocking information, but that's kind of like the TLDR on it. And that's not why I started the podcast. Like I had already, I already had the podcast going at that time, but it gives you insight into like, it's weird. You can simultaneously be really confident and date, you know, like he on paper was a quote unquote high value man. I fucking hate that terminology, but you would never know it from the outside. Like he seemed like a catch. We seemed great. Mm-hmm. We looked really cute together. He actually knew I had a mutual friend. Okay. Like his kid played soccer with friends of mine. So it wasn't like he was a total stranger. There were red flags that I chose not to see because I prioritized what I thought our relationship was and really probably what I thought it could be over me making sure that this was a person that one, wanted the same thing I did, two, had the same core values, and three, was treating me like the queen that I am. Yeah. And I don't mean like, like buying me shit or whatever. Totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, showing up the way that my girlfriends show up for me, showing up the way I show up for other people. Mm -hmm. Because when I say treating me like a queen, it's like, fuck, do you know how lucky somebody is to date me? Because I show up for them in ways that I want other people to show up for me. Yeah. And I'm lucky in that I do have like a ton of those people, but he was not one of them. So how did I let the riffraff in? Well, it like goes back to to what you were saying in the beginning of like how we don't we compartmentalize like our friendships versus like family relationships, our relationship with ourselves when really if we break down qualities that we would like out of a relationship, they really are all the same. Yes. In a romantic one, you add in sex and like that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like so many people let in partners that treat them significantly worse then their best friend treats them. But if their best friend did that, they would be like, you're out of my life. A hundred. Yes. Or I always say like BYOBF, be your own best friend. If your best friend was dating Kyle, would you want her to keep going? No, probably not. So why are you doing that? Yeah. It's weird. The, The human mind is so weird. You know, I think we trick ourselves into thinking it's weird because on the one hand, all of us think we're the worst person on the planet. Like we are simultaneously the worst person on the planet, but also we can change them. <laughs> and it's like this hundred percent. This and chase if we can like, change them, it'll prove that we are. That, like- that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, it's this chase to prove self worth. Mm-hmm. And I think the unlock is when you realize you can give yourself self worth in thirty to sixty days. You're free. Period. You're free, and you like you get to start living a totally different life. Yeah. I've never been more peaceful than I am now. I think about the stress and honestly, just the sheer amount of time that I used to spend like plotting and like just doing all these things to be like, okay, if I do this, then this, then they will like me. Or if I, you know, come off as this way, just the amount of time. Is he going to text me? When is he going to text me? What is our next date? Oh my gosh. Does he like me? Is he thinking about me the same much as... Can I text him first? How many texts is okay to send in a row? Like, uh, should I suggest this? No, not, you know, like all that kind of stuff. We spend the holidays together, like, yeah, really future tripping, jumping ahead. And it's like, you know, energy flows where your attention goes. 
So if you are spending all this time thinking about someone else, you're just giving away yourself for free. If you took even a fraction of that and gave that back to yourself, what would your life look like? And that's not even manifesting. That's just like, that's just energy conservation. Yeah. If you think about how much time you spend, and even if we're talking about breakups, not even just dating, we're talking about breakups, like the amount of time that we give to our ex, whether we're thinking about what they're doing, who they're with, looking at their socials, like all this stuff, thinking about what we could have done differently in the relationship, just like all the energy we we are giving to our ex at a time where you're already emotionally just taxed and exhausted going through a breakup and then you're giving everything you have still to your ex. It's like, we have to look at why are we giving that energy to them? Like give it back to ourselves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know it's, it's, I've helped people and talked to people who get caught in the feed loop where they like can't get out. And I do think it's at the risk of making this comparison. It does seem very similar to me. I mean, your, your brain on love is like your brain on drugs. And then when you break up, there are similar things happening in your brain. And I do think like where I've seen a lot of my friends who have addiction issues, there's always this like line. And I think if you don't cross the line, it's a lot easier to come back. And if you cross the line, it's a lot harder. I've seen this with recovery, but I've also seen this with breakups. And it's this weird thing where it's like triage. If you don't treat the immediate break, that wound is going to fester and get infected and be so much harder to heal from. That's why I think like going no contact, having a plan, having a support system, but just really having a plan that works for you, being kind to yourself, being like super, super aware of how you're talking to yourself, how many times you're looping or going back into the past or checking the socials or all the things that you just said is so crucial in the immediate moments after a breakup. Or even if you're in a relationship but you find yourself like anxiously attached, I think the same things can still apply because I've seen people not be able to break out of it. Yeah. It's like they get caught on that feed loop and then you can shake them and they're still like, no, no, but she's with this person now and she's so much happier or, but he was my person. I'm like, well, clearly he wasn't. I know. What if they were my soulmate? And I was like, do you want to know how I know they're not your soulmate? Because you guys are not together. I don't believe in that term anyway, but I'm like, uh, yeah. you're not with them. So that's how I know it's not. You know? I was like, it's do like- you want to know why we like never watch movies like that? Because that's um not interesting. It's very sad. It- and it's also just not the way most love stories start. Yeah. I that's love that. Honey, the- I met your father and... um. Oh, he treated me like shit. That was really brutal. He dumped me and then really didn't want anything to do with me. But I held firm. I obsessed over him long enough that I willed him back. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been great ever since. Like, I just don't think so. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. 
Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. And I think about too, like, especially people who have a lot of insecurities within relationships. And I tell them like, okay, let's just like play this tape through. So he, they break up with you. You like do all this stuff to like get them back. You're like convincing them, doing all these things, changing yourself. Like, and you guys do get back together. Let's just say that you're never going to feel safe within the relationship again, ever, ever, ever. No. Again, would you do that if it was a friendship? No. No. And also, why do you feel like you're okay with settling for less? Why are you willing to make yourself smaller or take up less space or need less in order to be chosen? This idea of like, if I don't need a lot, it's like the myth of the cool girl. You know, like if I don't need a lot, I'll be the girl that gets picked in the end. And then it'll be different. And it's like, that's magical thinking. What? Like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Also, yeah, I don't know. I've been there. I've been that person. You know, like I was so, I locked in claws so deep on that first date or those first three weeks, you know, the idealized version or whatever story I created in my mind of like what we could be. And then it didn't matter. I was going to prove it to my friends. I was going to prove it to me. Like, no, you just don't know him. You just don't know him the way that I do. Like, actually, he's really great. And the only person I was fooling was myself. Totally. And if we fast forward 10 years down the road, are you you're going to maintain this act of being someone that doesn't have needs for 10 years and you're going to end up so resentful. You're going to like completely lose. That's why people say like, I feel like a shell of myself when I get out of a relationship because I was not myself. And I remember my therapist said like, like stop following your compass. You're going to lose where North is. Like you can't keep that kind of charade up. Yeah. It's actually anybody that's listening, if they've ever gotten out of a breakup and felt like a shell of themselves, like that is such valuable information. 
because it tells you a lot about what you tolerated and where you went wrong in that relationship. And also gives you a roadmap of what to work on and what to fix going forward. Because the crazy thing about that is even though it is in the context of a romantic relationship, I would bet my whole life that if you fix that piece, it's not just going to glow up your future love prospects. It'll glow up your entire life. There is like literally nothing more powerful than self-love and self-respect on this planet. And the thing is, is that we can all achieve that, right? Like what is self-love? What is self-respect? It's self-confidence. It's self-trust. Well, how do you build that? Okay. Small little acts repeated over time. You just have to prove to yourself through actions that you are a trustworthy narrator, that you're a trustworthy source. When you say, I'm going to run a marathon, you actually start training. You know, Mm -hmm. like I've talked about this a lot and I hate using the diet comp, but we all relate to it. So just, you know, trigger warning. But if I say my diet starts tomorrow and then I I don't do it and then I don't do it again, I don't do it again, I'm going to start to feel like shit about myself. And we all think it's because we haven't lost the weight or we haven't done the thing or we're eating the bad food. No, 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 no. It's because you've sat there and you've told yourself you're going to do something and then you haven't for two weeks. And so you're literally damaging your self-confidence. But the reverse, if like I say my diet starts tomorrow and I wake up and whatever that entails, I do that. Two weeks out, I'm going to feel like a freaking rock star. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm on top of the world. And maybe we look in the mirror and we think, oh, it's because I lost a pound or two pounds or whatever. It's not that. It's that you are showing up for yourself. And it doesn't have to just be with diet. We can do that with like a myriad of things. When you put yourself in a relationship where you know that you want a certain kind of love and every single day you're settling for less, what are you doing? You're chipping away at your self-respect, whether you know it or not. Yes, exactly. We all know what kind of love we deserve. We've just made invisible little deals to settle for less because we're afraid that one, it doesn't exist or two, that secretly we're not good enough and they're going to find out or that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really those two, you know, yeah. but it's like a, a variation on those things and it can stop today. You just have to decide it stops today. For me, it was that rock bottom moment of like, you are never, ever, ever going to settle for less ever period. And it's made my life so much easier because instead of going into relationships, trying to make them work, I actually go into relationships looking for the red flags. I'm not trying to go into them, try to make them fail. Yeah. But I'm, I think there's a difference between like going on a first date and hope being that it's this magical thing and that this is the person you ride off into the sunset with versus going on a first date and being like, I'm just going to make sure that I'm not about to waste six months of my life. Yeah. Because this person pulled out his wallet and opened my door and um, has great cheekbones or whatever it is, you know, or just chose me or was like, you're pretty. I like you. Well, it's like the difference of to being like when you have that confidence and self-respect because I just know for me like I was trying to think of an example and I couldn't think of one but like when I'm feeling insecure I'm so unlikely to speak up for myself and to be like wait what was that you just said or like 
ooh, we don't agree on this kind of thing when I'm not feeling confident. But when I am feeling confident, I can speak up for myself and I can go into something eyes wide open because I'm not concerned about how I'm coming off. It's like, I know I'm coming off well because I, I like myself. So I feel like I don't have to spend that energy worrying about me. I can actually look at like what's happening objectively around me. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that that applies in dating because if your needs aren't being met and that can be as simple as like, okay, so I have a friend who really likes this guy and he's perfect on paper, but his communication is not great. And this is a girl who gets triggered really easily by that. And also objectively, his communication sucks. So he'll text her, she'll respond. He'll text her, she'll respond with like a question and won't hear from him for like three days. Do you know what I mean? Like he'll be like, hey, did you see this? I'm watching this movie. Like, have you seen it? And she'll be like, yeah. And then he'll say something and she'll go, oh, like, have you gotten to the part where blah, blah, blah? Or I don't know. Like, are you watching it? And instead of just being like, yeah, I'm watching it right now. That's why I texted you. He just doesn't respond. And this is a pattern and she's brought it up. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." you know, continuing down this road is just you're being blinded by the fact that when you're in person, it's great. You're being blinded by the fact that he has what you think you want. But Mm -hmm. in practice, this is not what you want. Yeah. You don't want somebody that falls off the map for days at a time in the middle of a conversation. Especially if you are someone who is like having the self-awareness that that kind of stuff really irks you is so important too, because it's, you know, why would you put yourself in a position to constantly be anxious or upset? I got set up with a guy who is great. Like he is a catch for so many people and we went out, we had a great first date. He was just like, I can't wait to see you again. Like, great. Awesome. And I now leave great first dates feeling not ambivalent, but like, cool. That was awesome. But I'm not like all in, which is so different. I used to be like, holy shit, here we fucking go. Let's go. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was so, I was so ready. And I was like already in the car, like headed to the final destination. It's like, girl, it's one day. Yeah. You know what I mean? I talk about like how. I can wear heels at a party for like six hours. Like that's like sort of like my max. It's like we're all wearing heels at the party for the first couple months of a relationship before the heels come off and the feet start to cramp. You know what I mean? Like I got whatever PR campaign he's running. He got whatever beauty queen version of like I'm putting out there. So yeah, it was a great first date, but like that means nothing. Anyway, he let's, I think he called me. So it was like, it started off good. But he was really quick to be sexual on that phone call. Granted, I have a podcast where I talk a lot about sex. I talk a lot about dating. So I think that people feel very comfortable having that conversation with me. And I don't ever want to, again, shame them or uh, direct them away from that. But I didn't love that. So I was like, think red flag number one. And then he said, hey, I'm leaving town. I'll be gone for five days. When I come back, I'd like to take you out. Great. Awesome. Five days goes by. I don't hear from him. 10 days goes by. I'm like, well, we're done. And then he hits me up. He sends me a text and is like, I'm so sorry. I'm back in town. Um, I'd love to see you. And I immediately wrote back. I don't hear from him for five days. 
He knows he's fucked up. He calls me. He leaves me a voice message. The problem is, is that I'm done and not even in a self-protection mechanism. It's just, that's very unattractive to me. Yeah. It doesn't seem like you have space or desire right now. Like it's not a priority and it's a priority for me. So I can already tell that the dating experience is not going to work for where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? And instead of trying to like compromise or be like, well, what if, what if, I mean, eh, no, the man's had multiple opportunities and he biffed them. And that's powerful and freeing to be able to say like, no, I'm not going to do mental gymnastics to try to justify this because people do that all the time. You know, what if they lost their phone? What if, you know, it's like we'd give all Well, he these... did call you. He did text you. He, yeah. did, he did try. I'm like, yeah, he tried in the way that I tried to pick up my dry cleaning for a month and a half, but didn't. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and why didn't I? Because, because I didn't uh, go to the dry cleaner. <laughs> it wasn't that big of a priority. If I needed that dress that was at the dry cleaners, I'd have been there. I just, it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't need it that badly. Yeah. And I'm not trying to end up with somebody who doesn't need me or want me. through. And I think that's where you and I are super similar with like breakups. If we choose to see them in this particular way, like we're so motivated by pain. Yeah. Biggest blessing. And we're as humans, like, yeah, we're motivated, but like the thing we're motivated the most by is pain. We want to be out of that pain. So it's Mm -hmm. like, take that motivation look in the mirror. You're already like having a hard time. Like, let's try to address the things while we have that power to harness. You'll never be more powerful than after a breakup. Yeah. I mean, you just never will. I think it's the quicker you can get to gratitude, the better off you're going to be because you have so much kinetic energy and you have the opportunity to now reframe and redesign your life and get there. And so you're either going to be the person that sits in it and mourns for forever, or you're going to be the person that goes, this sucks, this hurt. I can acknowledge that, but I'm not going to let this define me. And in fact, I'm going to let it sharpen me. Totally. It just is what it is. Like life either happens to you or happens for you. And I, every I've, I've lived through some extremely messed up things. Like I've been with people who have been so deceitful in ways that are just really, really awful. I mean, we heard of one, but that's like, unfortunately, that's like not even the worst. And every time I've used that for the better. And look, I'm a, clearly I'm a ding dong because it's taken me a really long time to learn some of these lessons. But I admit that like I was having fun. I was like, you were on the ride. Yeah, I was on the ride. And I also didn't realize that it was actually doing internal damage. Like I did not realize that when I didn't heal from the first time I was cheated on, that I was bringing that into other relationships. And that was affecting those relationships and those people just as much as it was affecting me. And I was walking around pretending like it wasn't, but it had definitely hurt my self-confidence in a way that for the first time in my life, I was anxiously attached. And that's actually not who I am. I'm a very securely attached person, but I wasn't for that period of time. Yeah. And ultimately it goes back to, you know, self-trust, self-love, self-confidence. I think it's hard to be able to even go through that process if you do not take a pause and be like, okay, what happened? How am I feeling? How did this relationship make me feel? How, you know, it's so few people, I think, take the time to 
like time out, let's assess what, how we're feeling and Mm -hmm. take the time to be like, oh, okay. I am becoming a little unrecognizable to myself. Like this is not who I am. Accountability is really hard when someone did you dirty. It is really hard to look at someone like in the eyes and say, Hey, I love you. But what was your role in this? Because the instinct is to go, what do you mean? I'm the one that got cheated on. What do you mean? Like we took vows and and then he was out there screwing my best friend, you know, like that's going to be the knee jerk reaction. And I'm that's not to say that you're in the wrong. There's a huge difference between like, this is your fault or whatever, then what was your role in it? And taking accountability. Because if you don't go back and you don't look at like, okay, what are the patterns? Is it that uh, every time I was in a long distance relationship, things went wonky. Like that has nothing to really do with you. I mean, you showed up for that. So, so in a sense, that's the accountability. Or is it that I was willing to run towards something that seemed like a good safe bet. And I, all I was doing was seeking security. Like I did that for a long time. Like I was trying mm-hmm. to seek out people that I deemed safe, which by the way, that's how you date a lot of ugly men, you know? <laughs> and there is nothing worse than when an ugly man does you dirty. Cause you're like, what? With the uggo? So yeah. now I don't even get to show my friends like a, a good photo. Yeah. Like that is so dark. When you lower your standards and he still does you wrong. Yep. Mm, or like when someone liked you and you didn't like them, and then finally you like convinced yourself to like them and then they break up with you. A hundred. Yeah. Oh, been there. Fucking been there. Been there. Been there. You know, and like, but it took me stepping back and going, like, oh, I got cheated on. So I started picking people that I thought would never cheat on me because I was quote unquote better than them in whatever way, whether it was like they were uggos or I was going to help kind of rehab their life in some way, like get them more motivated in their career, help them boost certain aspects of their life, you know, just all that free charity work. So then of course they'll, they'll never leave me because They'll see how great I am and how much value I bring to their life. And it's like, no, 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 no. The fun thing about men, and I'm going to make a sweeping generalization, is that they'll look at you and go, wow, she was out of my league. (laughs) That's crazy. I landed her. I wonder what else I could land. They're not going to go, holy shit, I am so grateful to be with her. They're going to be like, damn, I've been underselling myself. (laughs) And then find somebody better than you quote unquote. You know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) stop fucking settling. (laughs) Go for the person that recognizes that you're a 10 because we're all 10s. You know, like, like go for the person that immediately is like, holy shit, you're awesome for all the reasons that you think that you're awesome and do the same thing for the person you're going for. Because when we make these little deals, they bite us in the ass. And when we make these little deals, we like keep pushing the line of like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll do this as long as this happens. But then all of a sudden it's like, I'm in a deal that's so unfair to me and we don't even realize it. Which is a whole other podcast about <laughs> women and negotiations and buddy and settling for less than what we deserve, because I do think that is also taught at a young age. But yep. yeah. 
it's baffling. And it's baffling because I guarantee you, if you had met me at any point in my life, you would have been like, this is a confident woman. And I was, and that duality existed, you know, like I was simultaneously very confident and had all of these amazing things going for me. And also it wasn't a hundred percent authentic. Yeah. Like there was a part of me that just didn't believe I was good enough. There was a part of me that didn't believe I was worthy enough. And I also think part of it is that I've been like trying to chase this amazing thing that my parents had. And like, that is a standard that has been set in my mind that is really unfair to me and unfair to my future partner. Because like, I only have the perspective of my parents well after the fact. Yeah, that's true. You know, I wasn't there at the beginning. I don't know what was going through their head. I don't like, I have no idea. So like to try and mimic something that's already been good for a really long time is so unfair. Mm -hmm. And to try and put all of that on a stranger is also really unfair. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like an onion, right? Like, just keep asking why and just keep going deeper with all of this. And then you'll figure out what needs to be fixed. And sometimes it takes someone or some situation holding up a mirror to be like, I don't know this. I don't want this to come off as like victim blaming, but like, this is what you allowed to have happen to you because Mm -hmm. you did not feel great about yourself. And sometimes it takes that to be like, oh my God, I cannot believe I like, and what you were saying too, about having accountability. I always think of kind of owning your part as very powerful because if you just think bad things happen to you, that's scary. It feels out of your control. It feels very powerless. But if you can be like, oh no, I actually allowed this into my life. I can change that. And so that's like, I don't know, that makes me feel safer in a lot of ways because I know I have control of myself. Mm -hmm. I fully agree. And I I love that you made the distinction because I don't think it's, you're not talking about victims of assault you're not talking about like random acts of violence like this is not we're talking about relationships that we continue to show up for and continue to sign up for exactly you know like i said i i dated this guy who was like me too and it was very abusive and i am the last person on planet earth that anybody would ever see in a relationship that was abusive and yet i ended up in one that's fucking crazy yeah it was really brief thank god But it can happen to anyone, you know? And I think like, that's the crazy thing, especially like you have, you forget that those people, whether they're consciously doing it or unconsciously doing it, you know, there is a process. They show you the best version of themselves, which by the way, is you. Because when you fall in love with a love bomber or a narcissist or whatever, the person you're falling in love with is you because it's the very best version of yourself. What you're falling in love with is how you are showing up and how you are in that moment because those people naturally mimic you. Interesting. And that's like not my opinion. That's like a scientific study on these types of people. So I think the other thing that's amazing about that is like when I go back and I look at that, I go, oh, what's amazing is that I know that exists in me at any moment. It also gave me a clue as to like what I really want, what I'm really looking for. And even though I know that that was not real, it does give me a good sense of core values, 
goals, like all of these things that I'm looking for in future relationships. Again, it's like if you can start to depersonalize it and look at it objectively, almost like (laughs) not to bring it back to the podcast, but like if it was a crime and you're trying to dissect all of the clues and the facts about how this went down, it gives you so much information and information is power. Because like you said, once you realize that you can change it, you can course correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I know that there were things that were happening. I mean, I don't want to divulge too much, but he basically lied about, well, I'll make up a fake scenario, but like, let's pretend that I dated a guy who told me he had cancer and I really thought he had cancer. And it turns out that was a full lie that he was using in order to condition me to certain things. Like that was the situation that I was in. So I know exactly how I ended up in that because who the F would lie about something like that? That's just never something I would ever in a million years think to check or verify or anything because that is crazy. And I'm okay with that. That is not a part of my personality that I feel like needs to change. (laughs) Yeah. That's not who I want to become. You don't need to go around verifying that. No, no. I do think I was one and done on that. But I continued to put up with mistreatment because I was like, oh, he's going through this terrible thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to continue to show up in that way. And this was not somebody I was married to. This was not, you know, also this wasn't real. And, and really what I was chasing was like the first month of who he showed me I was. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's dark and it's fascinating. And I mean, I think, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of hopeful to think like, Oh, okay. If, you know, a lot of people who listen to this have gone through love bombing to know like, mm-hmm. oh, that was me. That's you. That's not. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, when you get showered with love and affection, they're A, they're literally just mimicking you. And B, it gives you a great idea of like what it is that you want. I think the misconception is you don't get that that fast. That's what you build to. That's the pinnacle. Yeah. And that feeling that you have should be your forever feeling, not your beginning feeling. That's what you're working towards. Yeah. And you do not want to spend years trying to get back the first month. Because, I mean, honestly, that's the definition of most addicts is like Mm -hmm. they're trying to get the first high. They're trying to get the first drunk again. And they spend years wrecking their life trying to get to that point. Yes. And so I guess we could look at me and go, wow, I spent years wrecking my life. I don't feel that way because I feel like I have lived this really colorful life that lets me know I can bounce back from truly anything. Mm -hmm. Like I think one of my greatest skills is that I'm resilient and I love that about myself. And I hope to give that to other people. I've had so many experiences and I don't look at this as like a lump sum game where it's like, if you, the goal is marriage, 1.2 kids, white picket fence, the end. Like, I think that life is about experiences and the thing that I've learned is that like, oh, I have a capacity and a desire to love really deeply and to be loved. And instead of feeling embarrassed about that, I don't. I think it's actually really cool. And it's part of the reason why I've ended up in situations that were not great for me. Yeah. But they were all learning. Yes. Because my desire to be loved and to want to love was greater than the love that I had for myself in that moment. And I think anytime that gets out of balance you're effed. But I don't know. I don't think that that is 
shameful. I don't think that's embarrassing. And I think a lot of people do feel that way. I agree. I don't think it's embarrassing. And look what you've been able to like turn it into is, you know, really like being able to absolve the shame of so many people who come and listen to your show and be like, oh, someone else went through that. Okay. I don't, I'm not the only person in the world. It's not a shameful thing. It's like someone is choosing to share on a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's amazing. Sure. And not everybody's going to be a podcast host, but think about like, if you can realize that you can give that to your daughter, you can give that to your Mm -hmm. son, you can give that to your friends. Like, yes, I agree with you. And because I'm a creative person, I take a lot of my, you know, like I've almost every one of my breakups has turned into a television show that I've sold or something that I've made. So that is also another way that I've like quite literally monetized off of it. But if you learn these lessons and then you help one stranger or one friend, or you empower your children to do it better and do it differently than you did. Are you telling me that's not a win? Like that's, Ooh, I just got chills. Like that's way more important than what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think about the fact that I had these incredible parents. They just didn't have the language. This wasn't like a thing that people talked about. So, you know, my mom wasn't going to arm me with these skills, but if I end up having children, you can bet your ass I will. Mm-hmm. And not only will I be helping them, but I'll be helping all of the people around them. Yeah. And so for that alone, I would have gone through double the heartbreak. You know what I mean? And that's what they talk about, like breaking generational patterns and things like that as like being the person to say, okay, I'm going to change this or I'm going to change me and I'm going to take this experience and learn something from it and change moving forward or not change. Like the thing that you said of like, you love deeply and like, that's not, I know some people are like, oh, I need to be cooler in relationships and like not tell someone how I feel, but like, no, that's a part of you. And that's, that's a really beautiful thing. And someone will really cherish that part of you and, and love that part of you. So it's not necessarily something to like get rid of. Exactly. I think if that's where your mind goes, I would say, Ooh, okay, great. Let's write that down. Let's think about that. So when you say, I need to say, I love you less, well, or show big love less. One, what does that look like? When does that show up? Are we talking about that's your desire to let the guy that you've been dating for three weeks know you're so in, you're so invested, you feel this so hard? Or is it three months? Like, where are we in the scale why do you feel that you need to make yourself smaller? Like pull back the layers on all of that because again, there are clues in there. And maybe it's that your friends have told you, you come on really strong. You need to be chill. You're going to scare this person away. And that is not, I need to love less. That is, I need to love myself more. That is, I am prioritizing finding the thing that I think is going to heal me or save me over saving and healing myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a really good distinction. There are distinctions, but it's like, once you've pulled back the layers, if you're like, oh, I come on really strong too fast. And I know that it's because I feel a little desperate because I'm really worried that this person isn't out there and I'm scared and this is a fear-based thing and I'm going to address that. 
it also shows me that I have this deep capacity to love people and I'm not going to change that. I'm going to continue to show up for friends. I'm going to continue to give the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to continue to put myself out there and believe that like the love that I want exists. Yeah. Two totally different things. Yeah. That's such a good distinction. I also feel like I could talk to you for three hours. (laughs) Listeners are like, please don't, please don't. (laughs) But this, I mean, for not knowing what we were going to talk about, I feel like we've really covered a lot, a lot of grounds. And I think it like fits perfectly with this theme because you keep talking about like asking why, revealing the layers, like it literally is investigating Mm -hmm. the crime. Like it ties back perfectly to your show of like, (laughs) let's gather the clues. Let's ask some questions. What's our motives behind these kind of things? Like, yeah. All that is so important. And I know you're a big fan of journaling and writing and I am too. And I think that's, that's like always what I like to instill in people is like the best way to investigate yourself is by writing. Mm, I love that. Yes. Because it's also, it helps you break unhealthy mental habits too. Yes. Like putting pen to paper. If you're writing, whether it's like what you want or getting feelings out, what you're not doing is being like, you're a piece of shit or this always happens to you or whatever. You're like forced to really think about what is it that I'm talking about? Why do I feel this way? Totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's just like, there's times where I've written stuff and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know Mm -hmm. that was here. It's also great because then you can look back and you can be like, I love reading my old journals. It's like very cathartic. It's cathartic. It also gives you a good indicator of like, I go back and I well, now I go back and I read things and I want to hug that person because I'm like, oh my God, I love you. And you were so broken and you were hurting so badly. And it's so wild that I was able to show up for so many people, but not myself. And I would like write things out where it was like, you know, I would notice an energy shift in a guy. And instead of just either pulling back or calling it out and walking away or ending things, like I would, I would hang in that limbo. And it was just, it was like, um, like nails on a chalkboard, except to my nervous system. And I'd read these diary entries where it's just like, what? How is this fun? Like, why were you doing this? This sounds really not fun. Like, how were you sticking in there? What were you doing this for? Totally. Yeah. If it doesn't feel good, leave. Yeah. Oh, I remember like weekends of just feeling like in purgatory where I didn't know Like I was like maybe going to have plans with this person, but, and I was like not in a place where I would make plans with friends because I like so desperately wanted to see the person. So I would just sit around like all weekend tortured, wanting to see this person and probably not going to see them and like setting all of my other feelings aside. It's crazy. Instead of just reaching out and trying to make a plan. And if that person says no, using that as information to be like, this person is not as into me as I am to them. And maybe I should go diversify my dating prospects or bounce. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't take any of those options. (laughs) No. (laughs) The only reason I know is because I've also done the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like we constantly manage to forget that the number one thing we should want is someone that wants to be there. Yeah. I know. Date the person who wants to date you. Yeah. Date the person who wants a relationship. I heard you say it on another podcast, but it's like when someone says they don't want a relationship, like it is believe so imperative them. that you believe them. Yeah, for sure. If a guy is like, especially, oh man, it's like if, if, sorry for all the men listening, but if a man tells you something that is going to prevent him from getting laid, that's the truth. <laughs> 
Yeah. If he's like, Ooh, I, that is such know, a good point. I'm that not really second. like available or whatever. And that could shut things down. Like that man just told you the truth. Anything that kind of comes after that or whatever is maybe try to real course correct or get sweet talky back in. But yeah, listen to that. That's the only time you should prioritize words over actions. 99.9% uh, yeah. of the time, watch their feet, which I'm sure you know that. That's a AAism. It's yeah. like, watch what they do, not what they say. I don't care if this person tells you, you're my dream girl, my dream girl. If they're not treating you like you're their dream girl, you're not. Or you're not right now. Yeah. Or they're just unable to. Whatever. The point is, is that watch what they do unless what they say could potentially block them from getting laid. Then definitely listen to what they've said because that, that is the truth. That is such a good point. I've always been a believer in believe what they say, especially when it comes to relationship. But yes, that's the truth. It's literally stopping them from being able to have sex with you. So, Get instant yeah. gratification. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Which is like so much of what dating is yeah. now with apps. Yeah. Well, you have yeah. to come on my show. I would love to come on your show. I know. I feel like I should wrap it up, but I hope. <laughs> I, I know hope we were like, we're going to stop talking. And I then know. And then like <laughs> start talking about something else. But I hope everyone goes and listens to your show, Crimes of the Heart podcast, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Yes, it's avails. Yes. And you are on Instagram at I Could Be Blonder. And I will link your show and your Instagram in the show notes. That is so great. Thank you. This is so fun. I Thanks really, for coming I on. Blinked and an hour went by. Yeah. I know. Seriously, that went by so fast. So, so yeah, this great talking great. to you. We'll talk soon. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie, where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.